Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. you please stand one more time as we uh, continue our worship as uh, in in God's word please stand together with me um, as we are wrapping up our series on the uh, Sermon on the Mount next week we're re- reaching now the end of kind of the main body of the letter of, of, his, of this sermon and so let's begin as we read from Matthew chapter 7 beginning in verse 1 judge not that you be not judged For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when there is the log in your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks it will be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. This is the word of the Lord. Father, we thank you for your word. We pray that you would speak to us through it and that you would change us through it. Help open our minds and our hearts to receive it for what it is, which is your word. We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You may be seated. Well, I think if we're honest with ourselves, judging other people is something that we just can't avoid. If you're walking down the sidewalk today after church and you step in something that you wish you wouldn't have stepped in, my guess is your heart is going to judge very fiercely that dog owner that didn't pick up after their dog. Am I right? Uh, We judge parents for letting their kids run wild in a restaurant, thinking, gosh, how could they do that while I'm on this romantic date? We judge the guy who talks loudly on his cell phone in the waiting room or in line, and you think, gosh, how obnoxious. I would never do that. We judge body types, clothing choices, eating habits, accents. We judge people's grammar music preferences and how they spend their free time or their money. Sometimes we speak those judgments out loud to people that we're judging, but oftentimes we just keep them and keep those judgments in our own heart, keep them to ourselves and sort of quietly judge them in our own minds. But the judgment itself, that habit of observing and evaluating and coming to a conclusion about someone comes so naturally to us that it just seems impossible to avoid. And while we all judge, being on the receiving end of judgment does not feel good, does it? 
Uh, No one enjoys being exposed and sized up and sort of put into a category. I can remember uh, my high school uh, football coach telling me that I had no hope of playing on the varsity because I wasn't big enough or tall enough or strong enough or fast enough. He was right, by the way. But, of course, it didn't feel very good to be judged and sort of sized up like that. Have you ever been judged like that? Have you ever judged someone like that? Well, here Jesus addresses the issue of judging other people. And he recognizes that how we approach this issue of judging others reveals a lot about who we are. And it reveals a lot about what we believe about God and our ultimate relationship with him. And what he does is he first, he warns us against a certain type of judging. And then next he encourages us towards a healthier, more loving way of judging, surprisingly. He doesn't say, don't judge at all, we'll see. And then finally he tells us what we need to know in order to become more loving, compassionate, and gentle judges. That's where we're headed this morning. First, what what does Jesus warn us against in this passage? In verse 1, he says, judge not that you be not judged. Uh, Those are some of likely the most misunderstood and and uh, misinterpreted words of Jesus in the entire Bible. Some have read those words and understood Jesus to be saying that we should never come to any sort of judgments about anybody. It's not your place to judge, someone might say. You're not God. You can't judge me. In a minute, we'll see that that's not exactly a fair way to interpret what Jesus is saying. He's going to tell us in a minute about what it means to be a proper type of judge, but uh, there is a good and right way to do that. And so if Jesus isn't prohibiting all judgment out of hand, what, what is he actually warning us against? Well, first, he's warning us against excessive judgment. Jesus gives his disciples this vivid and somewhat humorous illustration to help us see this problem. It's a man with a huge log coming out of his eye who's going around to other people trying to get little pieces of sawdust out of their eyes. Okay, it's kind of funny to think about this guy with a two-by-four sticking out of his eye trying to pick little specks of sawdust. Now, Jesus was a carpenter and had to deal a lot with logs and sawdust, and so likely this is why this illustration would have come to him. But we get the sense that the man in this illustration is on the lookout for sins in other people. He might even have taken this up as sort of the mission in his life to say, hey, look, not everybody can do this job, but somebody's got to do it. And so I'm going to take it on as my mission in life to make sure that I find what's wrong in all the people that I interact with. Criticism for this man was not something that he had to do, unfortunately, every once in a while, but it was a way of life, a lifestyle, a habit, even something that he enjoys. So Jesus warns us against being excessively Critical, finding something wrong with everything and everyone, always pointing out the failure and maybe even secretly liking when we find failures in other people. So he warns us against excessive judgment. Secondly, he warns us against blind judgment. Blind judgment, by blind judgment, I don't mean the, t- the sort of impartial judgment that we all ought to expect from our criminal justice system that uh, doesn't show partiality. But what he warns us here is a kind of judgment against others that is blind to the ways in which we practice the same things. The guy in the illustration, Jesus says, does not notice the log that is in his own eye. 
how could you not notice a log in your own eye? But, that, but Jesus says that that's what the problem is, is that he doesn't know that it's there. And so he's, what he's done is he's failed to apply the same standard to himself that he applies to other people. He's oblivious of the major flaws in his own life, and yet he ins, insists on correcting the tiny flaws, the little specks in the lives of other people. This is what uh, the Apostle Paul was the point he was making in Romans 2, the passage that Baxley just read. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself, he writes, because you, the judge, practice the very same things. When we attempt to correct the behavior of other people while regularly and unapologetically doing the same things in our own lives, we fall into this issue of blind judgment. Jesus says, look, you can't have a double standard. You've got to apply the same standard across the board. But why do we do this? Why, do we, why are we so tempted to fall into being judgmental? Well, sometimes uh, we might sort of excuse judgmental and, judgmentalism in our own life by saying, well, look, I just, I love the truth, and I got to make sure everybody else knows the truth. And so uh, that's, we, we disguise judgmentalism by just a love for the truth. Sometimes we might love being judgmental, but just because we love being right. We like to be right, right? So we want to make sure everybody else is also right, like we're right. We, mo- we also sometimes use judgmentalism as a defense mechanism. Uh, We feel insecure about ourselves in some particular way. And so when we we know that if we were to be judged for that very thing, we wouldn't measure up. And so we judge others for that same thing very harshly. And we correct the faults of others as a way to sort of defend ourselves against being judged. It's as if uh, we paint ourselves as someone who is really serious about a particular sin and we begin to believe ourselves that even though we're really serious about that sin in the lives of other people, that must mean that we're also serious about it in our own lives, when in fact that isn't the case. And that's why Jesus says, you hypocrite, because he's saying, if you do that, you're a hypocrite. You're playing a part. You're playing the part of someone who is serious about sin, but you're not actually all that serious about it because you won't apply it to your own life. So how can we know if we're guilty of being judgmental? Well, first I'd start by asking a series of questions. When you speak to other people in your life, your spouse, your kids, your coworkers, your, your employees, uh, do you praise them more than you critique them? Marriage counselors say that there ought to be a five to one ratio between the positive things you say and the negative things you say to someone in your life. Five to one. That is, for every negative thing you say to someone, criticizing them or, or uh, critiquing them in some way, there ought to be five things on the other side of the scale to balance that out. That's not the way we typically think about it, right? We think kind of a one-to-one correspondence, right? Uh, and for every nice thing I say, for every bad thing I say, I just got to say one thing to ba- balance it out. It's not the case. We, those, those negative things stick in our minds more than the positive, and so we need to balance it out. Where are you on that ratio in the way that you relate to other people? When you think about people in your life, what do you think about? Do you think about mainly the ways that they have failed you, the ways that they have disappointed you, the way they've let you down or fallen short? Is that what defines them in your mind? Yeah, that's the person who 
failed me in this. That's the person who disappointed me in that. When you address something difficult in your relationships, do you say things like, you always do that. You never treat me with respect. Do you deal with conflict gently or are you harsh? We read from 2 Samuel where uh, God sends the prophet Nathan to David. And uh, did you hear David's reaction to that little parable that he told? He said he got angry and he said, this, this guy's going to pay big time for this. Fourfold, he's going to pay that lamb back. And sometimes we can tell that we're judgmental when we react that angrily to some, some, to some injustice. Because David knew that he, that was him. And so his defense was to be super angry about it. So if you get super angry about something, there's a chance it may be, uh, it may be a sign that you're, you've fallen into this problem. But maybe you're not a yeller. Maybe you're, you're, you're very soft or gentle, but you communicate your disapproval in other more silent ways. The crossed arms, the disapproving look, the eye roll. My goodness, I can't believe they've done that again. We all do this, no matter our personality, whether we're like David or quiet like other people. And so now the easiest and perhaps the most natural response to this is to say, well, that seems like a dangerous trap that I don't want to fall into, and so I'm just not going to judge anybody ever. Uh, that seems like a humble thing to do, to say, well, I'm not God, and so I'm not, I'm not, I shouldn't be judging anybody. That's not, that's not my business. But unfortunately, Jesus doesn't let us off that easily. Uh, He knows that judging well, judging gently, judging in love can sometimes be one of the best gifts that you could possibly receive. If you have a friend who, while you're sitting at lunch, can tell you that you've got a big piece of lettuce stuck in your teeth and do it gently and sort of incognito so that you can get it out of there, I just saw a bunch of you go like this, then you know what kind of a gift a a good and wise and gentle judge can have in your life. So how do we judge in a healthy way? What does it look like? Well, first we need to recognize that this is an important skill to develop. In in verse 6, Jesus uses an unusual saying. He says, Do not give to dogs what is holy, and do not throw your pearls before pigs, lest they trample them underfoot and turn to attack you. What is Jesus talking about here? Well, Jews did not like dogs and pigs. I know people in Bogota love dogs, right? But in Jesus' day, dogs were scavengers. They uh, carried diseases. They were dangerous. They could turn and attack you, like Jesus says here. And pigs, of course, were forbidden by the Mosaic law to be eaten by Jews, and so they were seen as ceremonially unclean. But what Jesus is saying here is that there are certain people in the world who behave, spiritually speaking, like dogs and pigs, He's about to send his disciples into the world with the message of the gospel, the pearl, the the very holy thing. That's what that is in the illustration. And he commands them to share this message as widely as possible with anybody who would listen. But he also wants them to be aware of the fact that they are going to go to some places and interact with some people who are not going to want to hear what they have to say. They're going to reject it as foolish. Others will want to get close to them because they believe it will have some benefit for them. Like Simon the magician in the book of Acts who, who comes to the disciples and says, wow, you guys can do some really cool stuff with the Holy Spirit. Can I buy the Holy Spirit from you so I can use him as part of my magic show? 
And Peter and the disciples say, no, 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 that's not what we're here for. And so that, that's what Jesus is talking about here. Dogs that, that scour the floor looking for the piece of food that's dropped on the ground that they can benefit for themselves. And it's as if Jesus is saying, for, don't be a judgmental person. But don't be naive either. You need to be able to distinguish certain people and their motives in your life and in your ministry. And he says, look, failing to do this can actually be dangerous. Starving dogs, if you try to give them pearls to eat, aren't going to like what you have to give them. And so they can turn and attack you, he says. So you need to, you need to learn this skill of, of uh, careful judgment. Well, the second component of, love, uh, component of loving judgment is an equal standard. I, learned it, I alluded to this earlier. We need to be committed to applying the same standards to ourselves first, before we ever apply it to anybody else. Look at verse 5. First, he says, take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. Interesting, isn't it, that Jesus says that there's something about the process of removing the log from our own eye that enables us to see clearly enough to be able to help our brother or sister with the speck that's in their eye. Why is that? Well, often... The sins that you notice most in the lives of other people are the same things that you yourself deal with. And if you take the time to do what Jesus says here and deal with yourself first, then it will be a training ground for you to know how to deal with that same thing in the lives of other people. But if you won't do it to yourself, you'll be blind. But Jesus says, first do it to yourself, get the log out of your own eye, then you will be clear-eyed enough to deal with others. It's just, it's a basic application of what Jesus says in verse 12, what we've come to know as the golden rule. Apply the same standard to others that you would have applied to yourself, right? So, an equal standard. And finally, one, one third component of loving jud- uh, judgment is gentleness. If you actually had a log sticking out of your eye and you went to go try to get the speck out of somebody else's eye, that's going to be a painful process, right? The person that you're trying to get the speck out of is going to be hurt badly. But Jesus says, be gentle. Get the log out of your own eye so you can see. In Galatians 6, Paul writes, he says, if anyone is caught in any transgression, you who are spiritual should restore him in a spirit of gentleness. John Gottman is an experienced marriage counselor whose material I use in premarital counseling often. And he famously says that he can predict whether a couple is going to get divorced with 90% accuracy after spending 15 minutes with the couple. Pretty remarkable. And he does that because he's identified a few things that he says, if I see that, I know that it's not going to go well. And one of those things, he says, the the first one is criticism. Criticism. And he recognizes that that there are issues in all relationships that need to be dealt with, things that that bother us about other people that we have to deal with. But how we deal with them makes all the difference in the world. And so he suggests, he's got this great phrase. He says, practice the soft startup. The soft startup. Instead of starting a conversation, a difficult conversation like, why do you always fill in the blank? Try this. Hey, 
I noticed you didn't get the dishes done today. Do you think you could get them done before our friends come over tonight? It's gentle, right? It says the same thing, right? But it's gentle. It doesn't begin with why I oughta. Gentleness goes a long way. Okay, well, but how do, how do we become the kind of gentle judges that Jesus commands here? We see the answer in verses 7 through 11. At first, those verses seem out of place, right? It seems like Jesus changes the subject and goes back to something that he'd talked about before in talking about prayer and asking God for things. But he puts them here on purpose. He wants us to see that how we relate to others is intimately connected to how we relate to God. 